heard a story about a guy who was from New York and driving through Texas, and he was in an accident with a pickup truck that was pulling a trailer with horses, pulling a horse trailer. So he got in the accident. Months later, he's in court, and he is suing for damages for injuries that he incurred in the accident. And the lawyer representing the insurance company said, well, I, help me understand this. The police report says that at the time of the accident, you had no injuries. You reported no injuries. And the man said, well, let me tell you the story. I was lying on the ground in great pain after the accident. I heard someone say, the horse's leg is broken. Then I saw a Texas Ranger pull out a gun and shoot the horse. Then he asked me if I was okay. Here's the truth. Some of you will get that in a little bit. I, I know, it's a slow morning. Um, the, here's the truth. A lot of pain goes unreported, right? And it's funny when it's a story like that. It's not so funny when it's real life. So we're in the midst of a series titled Strengthened in which we're talking about how do we, where do we get our strength from? How can we be strong in the ways that we need to be strong, which is in the Lord? And listen, some people think that being a strong Christian throughout the, this series, we've kind of, I've used that phrase, a strong Christian. Now, if you were with us a couple Wednesday nights ago, I, I, I used that phrase. What does it mean to be a strong Christian? I think for, for sometimes when we have this picture of a strong Christian is, is a Christian who, you know, it means putting a, a, a smile on your face and pretending that everything is, is okay and that life never hurts. That's not what it means to be a strong Christian. That, that's not what it means. That's not what I mean when I say God is eager to make us stronger. Sometimes God gives strength instead of weakness. And sometimes God gives strength in the midst of weakness. And sometimes the person that you think is weak is actually much stronger than you think. Take, for instance, an 82-year-old woman by the name of Willie Murphy. She lives in New York, and she heard a knock on her door late one night, and there was a man at the door insisting that he come in because he was sick and he wanted to come in and call somebody or get some help. She did not let him in. Instead, she went to go call the police so that they could at least help him out. Next thing she knows, she hears a, 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 a bang at the door. He has knocked down her door and come inside. What that man did not know is that 82-year-old Willie was a bodybuilder who can deadlift 225 pounds. She picked up a small table, smashed him over the head, pinned him down, and proceeded to beat him with a broom that she had grabbed until the police arrived. She said, I think he was quite happy to see the ambulance when it got there. I bet he was. And she said, hey, I may be old and alone, but I am tough. And you know people like that. Maybe not exactly like Willie, but you know people like that. People who may appear to be weak until you get to know them and you find out they're actually much stronger than you think. And that's a good thing because nobody ever goes through life never experiencing weakness. That is a reality of this world that we live in. We're going to go through times where we are weak, where we feel weak and where we actually are weak. But when life gets harder, here's what we believe. We believe that grace is stronger. And that brings us to our text today. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. So if you want to go ahead and turn there, open your Bibles there or uh, smartphones or iPads or whatever it is that you're using, uh, turn in your Bibles with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Just a little bit of context before we get into our passage. So at the beginning of the chapter, 
Paul talks about, and he's talking about a man, but he's really talking about himself, who, who he has this vision. He, he's given this special revelation from God where he has a vision of, he's taken up to what he says the, is the third heaven. He describes it as paradise. And so he has this very special gift that God gives him to be able to, to have this vision. Um, and he says, he describes it, uh, Paul does, uh, this way, he says that he heard, as he says, inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. So a pretty incredible experience that Paul has. And with great privilege comes great temptation for great pride. And so picking up in verse 7, here's what Paul writes. He says, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, prideful, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan or of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord, Paul says. And maybe we can take it as three literal times, but I, I, I think maybe more of a, understand it as I, I, I'm praying a lot for this to go away, okay? This is not just, a, a, you know, one or two. This is a, a continual prayer. I'm pleading with the Lord to take it away. That's the main point. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. What a wonderful and yet perplexing text talking about suffering, weakness, and yet at the same time, blessing and delighting in those Things. Now, let's be clear. When God created this world, I don't believe that suffering was part of the plan. Scripture says that weakness is a consequence of the darkness and sin that is in this world. Paul talks in, in Romans chapter 5 that through one man, sin entered this world, came into this world, and, and as a result of that, this world that we see, and us included in that, experiences all that comes with sin, including death and decay and pollution, and corruption, and injustice, the list goes on and on. It's all a consequence of darkness and sin and evil. Now, Scripture affirms that God can use suffering. God can use suffering as a classroom for gaining wisdom. God can also use suffering as an instrument of judgment, which we, you know, don't like to talk about as much, but probably need to be aware of that. But it's one thing to say God can use suffering. It's another thing to say God wills suffering. We need to be very careful saying to somebody, well, I guess it's just God's will that you be in pain and that you suffer. That's probably not a good thing. And if you've ever been told that, I am sorry. That's, that, that's not biblical. I don't believe that God wills or predetermines people suffering. Most of our struggles that weaken us, I believe, are the consequence of us simply living in a fallen and marred world. And because Weakness is a consequence of darkness. Weakness should never be met with passive meekness. Or to put it another way, and here's the first point in your notes, it is not wrong to long to be strong. I know I feel like Dr. Seuss on that, but it is not wrong to long to be strong. That is a good thing for us to long for, to pray for. Paul says, I pleaded with God to take this away. And Paul is not rebuked for praying that prayer. Paul is not rebuked for asking Jesus, asking God to take his weakness away. 
In fact, God invites us to bring our hurts and our struggles and our weaknesses before his throne. The Hebrew writer, one of my favorite passages, I love this passage in Hebrews chapter 4, starting in verse 14. Therefore, the Hebrew writer says, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we don't have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, But if we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. And so now here's the invitation. Here's what we can do. Let us then, the Hebrew writer says, approach God's throne of grace with confidence, not arrogance, but confidence, boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. James says this in in chapter (coughs) 5, starting in verse 13. He says, is any one of you in trouble? Let him pray. Is any one of you happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And so we are invited to lay our hurts, our weaknesses, our struggles before the throne of God. You and I are invited to do that. Most of us are familiar with Jesus' prayer before the cross when he prays, not my will, but yours be done. But he prays right before those words, Father, may this cup be taken from me. And you are praying like Jesus when you pray, God, please take this away. As you also pray, not my will though, but yours be done be done. It is right to pray against anything in creation and in this world that is not the way God intended it to be. And so even if weakness in and of itself is not good, Scripture says that God is committed to bringing something good out of it. And so again, Paul prays, God, take this away. I don't want to have to deal with this. Make, make, make my weakness go away. Now, we don't know exactly what it was that Paul was praying about here, what his thorn in the excuse me, flesh was. Most uh, scholars think it was some kind of physical infirmity that he was uh, dealing with that caused him pain and discomfort. And he said, God, I, I take it away. I want to be stronger. And he received an answer to his prayer that made him stronger, but not in the way that he had requested. And that leads to a very important, and I don't want to spend a ton of time, you know, because it's, it, this is a this is a touchy subject and, a, and a, one that I don't have all the answers to, but there is a great tension that we live with as Christians a, and, and, a, and an empowering tension in some way or tension that we live with. Uh, here's the first part of that tension. God is strong enough to remove my weakness. That is the reality. I could stop there and that is a truth, okay? God is strong enough to remove my weakness, your weakness. He's strong enough to just take it away and remove it. Jesus was never intimidated by any encounter with darkness, no matter what form it took. Every time Jesus removed weakness, it was an act of spiritual warfare and he was able to do it. His healings and his casting out of demons were his way of announcing that there is a new king in town and the old powers are going to bow down to him. (coughs) And so we pray to God because we believe that he is strong enough to remove our weaknesses, right? That's why we pray for each other. We pray for healing. We pray that, 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 that people who are dealing with, with 
physical things in their lives, that healing would come, that redemption would come. And however God does it, it's all from God. He may do it through doctors or medicine. He may do it through lifestyle changes. He may do it through therapy or support groups. He may do it supernaturally. I don't know. God still works in ways that are beyond my comprehension, but we should ask and we should believe that God is strong enough to remove my weakness. There's a story in Acts chapter three, Peter and John are going to the temple and there's this man who's been lame from birth and he says, give me some gold, give me some money, give me some cash, I need some money. And Peter says, I don't have any, but what I do have, I will give to you. I've got something better. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And he does, he starts walking, he starts dancing around. And a crowd gathers and Peter starts to preach about Jesus. And he says to the crowd in Acts chapter three, verse 16, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. God can remove weakness. And so again, we affirm with confidence that that is what God can do. What we cannot say with equal certainty is what God will What God can do and what God will do are two different things. And what is always in his power is not always in his purpose. I said we live with a tension, right? We believe God is strong enough to remove weakness. But here's the other part of that tension. God is also strong enough to redeem my weakness. Now let's be clear. Believing that God can bring good out of suffering and, and believing that suffering is good are two different things. Okay? They're two different things. And God can bring suffering, sorry, God can bring blessing out of suffering, but that does not mean that suffering in and of itself is a blessing. What God does through it is a blessing, but not necessarily the suffering itself. Believing God can bring some good out of it, we affirm that, we believe that. God didn't intend for us to be weak, okay? But God can redeem weakness and use it for his purposes and his intentions. God is so sovereign that in Paul's case, he protected, Paul, the first, one of the first words out of Paul's mouth was to keep me from becoming conceited or prideful. So God in his sovereignty protected Paul from the sin that destroyed Satan, even as Satan assaulted Paul. God can remove weakness, but he can also redeem it. Weakness brought Paul to the humbling realization of just how much he needed grace. Think about it. How would you ever know how much you need God's strength if you were never made aware of your own weakness? How much would you know how strong God truly desires for you to be unless you realize how weak you are in yourself? You've heard me mention the name Joni Erickson Tata before. Some of you have. I think she's a great example of this. I don't know how many of you remember her story or remember me bringing her up as an example. Joni, when she was 17, dove into a bay kind of area and it was way more shallow than she thought and she broke her neck and was paralyzed. From the neck down, she was paralyzed. And so in one of her books, she tells this story how she was at a woman's conference and she was speaking at a woman's conference and she was actually in the restroom when some ladies came up to her and they, they said to her, oh, Joni, you, you know, you, you've just, you've got it all together. You just look so joyful and happy. I wish I had what you have. How do you do it? Here's what she wrote. She said, I breathed deeply. And I said to them, after my husband, Ken, leaves for work at 6 a.m., I am alone. 
until I hear the front door open at 7 a.m. That's when a friend arrives to get me up. While I listen to her make coffee, I pray, oh Lord, my friend will soon give me a bath, get me dressed, sit me up in my chair, brush my teeth and, or my hair and my teeth, and send me out the door. And I don't have the strength to face this routine one more time. I have no resources. I don't have a smile to take into the day, but you do. May I have yours. God, I need you desperately. One of the woman, women asked her, well, what happens when your friend comes in the bedroom? And Joni said, I turn my head toward her and I give her a smile, sent straight from heaven. It's not mine, it is God's. And so nodding to her paralyzed body, she said to those ladies, whatever joy you see today was hard won this morning. Then she wrote these words, I've learned that the weaker we are, the more we need to lean on God and the more we lean on God, the stronger we discover him to be. Paul said, God, take it away. I want to be stronger. God said, I'm going to make you stronger, but not the way you expected me to. God can deliver from weakness and God can deliver through weakness. It says in Isaiah chapter 40, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Paul said himself, uh, himself said in, in Philippians chapter 4 verse 13, a verse that I'm sure many of you are familiar with. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, be careful because sometimes we, 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 uh, we misuse that verse and we put it on our coffee mugs and our bumper stickers and our, uh, you know, all, all these different places and we put it up there and it's like it's the verse of champions. Oh yeah, we can do all things. I can win the football game. I can do all these things. Paul didn't write that as a champion. Paul wrote that from prison. He had just finished saying, I know what it's like to have nothing. I know what it's like to have plenty. But through the strength of Christ, I can be everything he wants me to be. I can be content in him and in everything he wants me to be. So what does that mean? It means that when life wounds you deeply, and it will, and it has, you don't have to put on a fake smile and pretend that it didn't hurt. What you do need to do is believe that when life gets harder, grace is still stronger. I don't know how many of you have heard me or Marcy tell the story of uh, Micah Ryan, one of our friends from college. Micah was, I think, two years younger than, than me, so uh, another year younger than Marcy. And uh, Marcy was better friends with her than, than I was, but Marcy actually was in a Bible study at her parents' house, and so she spent a lot of time, Marcy was in the same club as her. Um, great Christian family, great Christian young lady. And um, she, her parents got a call on April 30th of 2009 that uh, her husband, Micah's husband, had called them to say she didn't come home after she took a walk. Well, I won't give you all the details of the story, but come to find out, um, her husband actually shot and killed her. Killed her. Their daughter. And, I mean, I, I, cannot, I can't even fathom the emotions that are going through her parents. And still, as they talk about that, if you, you, know, if you were to know them, you know, they, they openly talk about it. And they are incredible examples of what it means to, to have God's grace and love flow through you and the forgiveness that they talk, they talk about giving to her husband and how they're walking through that. And that's not a one, that's not a, like a, oh yeah, we're done with that. It's, it's, I mean, they're walking through that. that. That is an everyday thing. 
But through it all, they have been an incredible example of God's grace and forgiveness, just working through them to bring glory to Jesus, even through the most unimaginable difficulty. And there's a lot of things that I could read read to you about what um, her parents have written. But I just want to read just this short little snippet. This was from last year, uh, or actually from 2021, uh, from uh, Micah's dad, Dennis Ryan. And he wrote this. And I I, I want you to hear this because it's so much of what I hope we get out of what God desires to do through us. He wrote this. He said, Jesus tells his disciples that in this world, hard times will come. John chapter 16, verse 33. What a vivid reminder for us this week. Micah's birthday is April 28th. She would be 38. Her reward date is April 30th, 12 years ago. These are hard times for us. I've been apprehensive about posting this week because I don't want to draw undue attention to me or my family. This is a a man who's lost his daughter, murdered, and yet he's writing these words. Just amazing. I don't want to draw undue attention to me or my family. What we want this story to do is point to Jesus who gives us hope. Our goal throughout this journey is to give glory to God and to honor Micah's faithfulness. We're grateful to all who have journeyed with us and helped us keep our focus on these goals. I pray that our story points you to Jesus. And I thank Jesus for giving us hope. Here's the reality. Some of you have received a wound in life that's not gonna completely heal until Jesus returns. Like that's just the reality. And the fact that it still hurts does not mean that you are not strong, that you are uh, somehow weaker than everybody else. In fact, if you think about it, the testimonies that inspire us the most are not those that have never gone through weakness, but it is those who know what to do with their weakness. It is those who lay their weaknesses at the throne of our gracious and loving and powerful God and say, here it is. Be strong for me. Maybe that's what Paul meant when he said, that is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness. What a strange thing to say when you think about it. And it really makes no sense unless you focus on that middle phrase, for Christ's sake. Paul doesn't delight in weakness because Paul loves weakness. Nobody does that. Paul delights in weakness because he loves Jesus. And Paul's weakness became a forum to display the grace of his Lord and his Savior. God is strong enough to remove your weakness. But if he doesn't, dedicate it to Jesus. Don't wallow in it. Don't live in it. Dedicate it to Jesus and allow him to use it. Allow your testimony to be I'm stronger than you think because his power rests on me. Here's the irony, and I'll close with this point. My strongest witness, your strongest witness, is God's strength in your weakness. So often we want to focus on what it is that we are powerful in. What am I strong in? What am I gifted in? And yet the reality is that your strongest witness to the world around you is God's strength in your weakness. The most powerful evidence that my life can give to those around me that God is good and that his grace is real is when they see how even in my weakness, I remain undefeated in my spirit because God's strength rests on me. Your weakness isn't good, but God can bring good out of it. So allow it to be a platform that says life 
can get hard, yes. But grace is always stronger. Go to the throne of grace and ask God to take your weakness and make it your witness.